0: Well, Saturday, Ronnie, it's super. Ronnie, you see my shirt? It says "America's Team," but I'm not. I'm we got to get
1: a new. Um,
0: uh, see, America's Team, and I and look, Ronnie, look at look at my star, right? My star, and and look, Ronnie, and I wore this just for you. I, got, I can't keep it on because it messed up my hair. Because I need the cuteness. I need to be cuteness overload. But I just What did start.
1: I what did I, tell you, what did I tell you before the show started? What care. did I tell you, Cowboy I fans?
0: I don't care, Ronnie. I don't care because everybody, Pluster regardless B. of whether or not their team is the Eagles or the Chiefs or not, is going to have their stuff. I don't care.
1: Cluster B. Cluster um, B.
0: Whatever, Ronnie. Hey, y'all. I am a sports family therapist, licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Lauren Pitts. This house don't pregame. Y'all, who that hater is? That's my hater. That's my resident terrorist. That's my. Uh, Disrespectful surrogate son, my co-host extraordinaire, he all them things. All them things. But it is Super Bowl Saturday.
1: Yes, yes, yes. One more day. You know, Super Bowl is kind of a um a bittersweet day. You know, it it marks the end of a a chapter in the sports calendar where, you know, after tomorrow. There's no more football. Well, now let me take that back. No,
0: because it's the SF, USFL. the Rocks, yeah, So the, right, right? the
1: USFL and the XFL, which mm-hmm. um, I'm actually working on being able to um, have somebody from the XFL, you know, join us and talk to us chop it um, about, the, about their upcoming season and everything because the XFL is back for the first time in, I think, like 20 years or something like that. Oh, yes. So that will be interesting to see um but yeah you know the Super Bowl is always kind of a bittersweet time you know I'm excited for tomorrow's game I think we have a really great matchup I did see where apparently um your husband will probably like this um what Vegas is gonna do how
0: do you how do you wager when Vegas is saying it's 50 50 like how do you how do you not get your legs broke tomorrow night
1: (laughs) well speaking of Vegas I will say this much um there's a reason a lot of these casinos are popping up all over the country because if there's one thing Vegas is going to do, Vegas is going to make sure they um, they know how this game is going to go. Um, so if they say it's going to be close, it's probably going to be close. Um, you think it's going
0: to be a high-scoring game?
1: Um, you know what? So I do, Um, and I'll share my score at the end. Um, and I'll also give reason and why at the end why who I think is going to win the game. Um, so we'll definitely get into that towards the end. But I do think it's going to be high scoring. You know, they said tomorrow there's going to be about thirteen billion dollars bet on this game tomorrow. Wow. Thirteen billion.
0: It's a lot of loot.
1: Just give me one point three million and I'm good to
0: go. I need what? a little bit more than that. I need a little bit more than that, but I'm nah, gonna. To, nah, I'm gonna nah, I'm no, I I'm do, because I got, you know, I got to go see a man about a dog. I got to go see a man about a horse. I feel you. I, gotta, I, feel you know, you. I got, I feel I got, I you. I got East Cross and I got some things that I need to take care of and such. The first thing way. I would do,
1: I would immediately pay off every penny of debt I have.
0: Save a little bit. There's good debt.
1: There is, but none, none of the debt I have.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> our financial advisor at church last sunday told us that student loan debt falls in the category of good debt i said work <laughs> but look hey i'm good like a mug <laughs> Honestly, I, don't know. Debt I, got. I was like who knowed
1: <laughs> you said that was the the financial advisor at the church
0: <laughs> yeah, don't say nothing like by my friend You're so ignorant. You have to be ignorant all the time.
1: Don't mm. make me suspect. I wonder how many times that plate get passed around during the service.
0: Stop mm. it. We all do that. Cut it out.
1: They're like, look, drop your card. We, we tap your card in the plate, too. Our plate got the little chip. You tap it in here. Everything.
0: <laughs> I am not entertaining your look, shenanigans, God, fool.
1: God accept, God accept currency in all forms. Crypto, real, paper. entertaining all. your
0: foolishness. You're crazy. What's up, man? Oh, you know what? Guess what, y'all? guess what ronnie is going to be joining the grown-ups club on tuesday Tuesday, monday tuesday monday tuesday monday tuesday monday that's right because tomorrow's the tuesday 11th so monday ronnie's gonna be 30. yeah ronnie ronnie ronnie
1: ronnie another another bittersweet occasion you know it's crazy i always tell people like for me every birthday is important, you know, like Mm -hmm. obviously there are milestone birthdays and stuff like that. 18, 21, 30, Mm -hmm. 40, everything, so on and so forth. But Mm -hmm. truly and honestly, every birthday is important to me because it's another, it's another year around the sun. Yes. You know, it's another, it's another chapter. It's another chance to create more memories and more experiences Mm -hmm. and have a chance to reflect back on, you know, previous experiences and things and, Mm -hmm. you know, as I get ready to, you know, close out my twenties and whatnot, you know, I've really been, you know, just reflecting on, you know, just the, the ride has been, you know, the last 10 years. Um, mm-hmm.
0: I want to give you a, a lot. nugget of wisdom around that. Two nuggets. Mm-hmm. The first is at some point in time, I'm going to give you 30 tips on how to make sure you reach 40. <laughs> <laughs> give you 30 tips on how to make sure you reach 40. I like but, that. <laughs> But on a serious (laughs) note, this is what I want to say, and and it has a clinical spin to it. Ronnie, if you live to see 31, that Uh means that you will have lived another, I want to say it's like 565,300 minutes or something like that is in a Mm -hmm. 365 day year. This is what I want to say to you, sir. I want you to embrace what we call the blueprinting concept. I want you to be deliberate and intentional in creating a blueprint for your next. Because if you don't, what will happen is you will get to 31 and you will look back. And 2023 will look just like 2022, 2021, 2020, 2019, and what have you. You have to take charge. And, you know, people say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him what your plan is. But it also says in the word of God in Habakkuk 2, to write the vision, and make it plain. But though it tarry, wait for it, for it will surely come. And that's my word of wisdom to you for your birthday. I might have a present for you. We'll see come Monday. We'll see. But... Dollar dollar
1: sign, African79 for those out there listening. H-A-L-F-R-I-C-A-N 79.
0: That part, right there. But I do. I want you... To commit to creating a blueprint for your next, and not just any blueprint. I want you to look at the primary domains of your life, your health and well-being, your love and relationships, your academic and career aspirations and accomplishments, how you spend your time and with whom you spend your time, and the big one that everybody likes to focus on, your financial freedom. I want you to be intentional in creating a blueprint for your next, so that when you look back, at 2023 by far it has been one of the best years of your life
1: well i appreciate that thank you for the words of wisdom and i definitely need to see these 30 30 tips on how to see 40 i need i need i need to see if any of those <laughs> might be real useful in this first year of my uh, this new decade but i really appreciate that it's crazy okay. like i was like man i'm really about to be 30 like i remember like 14 15 like man 30 is like forever away away it's It's, old right (laughs) it's not that old but Mm -hmm. you know i'm excited it's a new it's a new chapter it's a new opportunity to you know learn more about myself and you know really you know just hey you know um these are my prime years so you know so you know i'm gonna enjoy it enjoy these last few hours of being in my 20s um you know have my retirement ceremony you know early monday morning
2: (laughs) retirement theory. you know i, I was born at four, in I, think I,
1: was, I think i was born at four thirty two in the morning so you know i was uh yeah. yeah i popped up out here early you know i just should have waited i should have just waited one more day
0: that's it one more day no because then you would have been robbed i'm
1: i mean in theory i'm in theory it the was valentine's him.
0: day you wouldn't give the valentine's gift man, birthday gift
1: I shoot i mean i still get robbed now i I get to celebrate my birthday for about 12 to 16 hours and then you know just because the the chivalry in me you know i have to get ready you know for valentine's day so you know it's kind of like uh now if i was a female is it works out perfect because my birthday and then the next day is valentine's day so you know but you know my wife takes care of me on my birthday and valentine's day so I, i appreciate that but um yeah, so I'm I'm super excited for that. Super excited. Shout out to all my Aquariuses out there. You know, we're the greatest sign on earth. It's not even close. You know, we get along with everybody. You know, even though we get a bad rap out there, we, they hard on us, especially us February Aquariuses. We stick together. All right. We stick together. Mm-hmm. We ride together. We die together.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, bad, boys for bad, life. Sign, bad
1: <laughs> sign for life. <laughs> so,
2: no. so. No,
0: so. I can't with you, man.
1: So, like we said, the Super Bowl weekend. Yes. And with it being Super Bowl weekend, uh, Doctor Pitts, you know we have to highlight <clears throat> some of our uh, HBCU alumni who are actually yeah. um, partaking in the Super Bowl this year. Um, yes. So, as my computer stops being uh, really, really slow, um, let's get into these. Uh, oh, what's going on here? What? Why? Why are you being slow? Why are you being? All right, so. We got four NFL players who play the HBCUs yes. that are playing in the Super Bowl this year. All right. So our first one is Javon Hargrave, a South Carolina State graduate, played mm-hmm. defensive tackle for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. He okay. got his bachelor's degree in sports management in 2016 and was initially drafted to the Pittsburgh Steelers that same year. Um, he was the uh, defensive player of the year and MEAC defensive player of the year in 2016 as well. So shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Um Franklin McCain III, known as Mac McCain, is a North Carolina AT graduate currently playing cornerback for the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: Okay.
1: Um, he's actually the grandson of Franklin McCain, one of the one of the Greensboro Four, a group of young black men who inspired widespread civil rights action in the South after they did after they were denied service at a Woolworth Five and Dime lunch counter. Wow! Um,
0: now that's a name I haven't heard in years, Woolworth. <laughs> We had them all over South Jersey back in the day.
1: Five and dime.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, wow. they had count the the little they were the lunch counters. <clears throat> they go in and you know you could shop and whatnot, but they were the back part of the store. It was lunch counters, just like you see in a lot of the civil rights movies and stuff that we weren't allowed to sit at, and but the, we would do the sit-ins at. That's mm-hmm. what the Woolworths were. They were they were lunch counter shopping restaurant luncheonette type thingies.
1: Word okay word yeah we ain't have we have Waffle House is the closest I get to that
0: okay you know what well I was born in the sixties so that's why I'm we're very much aware of what they are you you
1: so in other words you know what the kids say nowadays mm-hmm. you you were born in the mid 1900s
0: you know what <laughs> that's disrespectful that is so disrespectful they just put me back with the with the with
1: colonization. <laughs> hey, like look, a, hey, I, remember, I had a kid tell me, know. "Oh, you was born in you was born in the late 1900s." I almost smacked the kid. I was like, hey, "Bro, I don't say nothing like that." Late 1900s, <laughs> yo, like what?
2: <laughs>
1: Anyways, let me stop being a fool today. um <laughs> Our next one is Brian Cook, a former Howard University student who um who earned third team All American honors as a safety, um in the uh, college football playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last but not least. Oh, wait, 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 wait we'll go? Oh, yeah. Last but not least, we have Josh Williams, who plays cornerback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually a graduate of Fayetteville State University. Mm-hmm. He is the first Fayetteville State player ever invited to the college football senior bowl and the first player from Fayetteville um, State okay. to be drafted to the NFL okay. since 1976.
2: Nice.
1: Um, and if people remember, he actually was the one who made the interception. Against the uh, Bengals in the AFC title game, nice. um, a couple weeks ago. Nice. So shout out to all four of those men who will representing their HBCUs in the um, Super Bowl this weekend. Super excited to have that. And Can I, I think as piggyback
0: these- on that too? Go ahead. Wait, I don't know if you were going to say it or not. If you do, if you were, probably, oh no, go ahead. You go ahead. But you you remember, and again, you would have been much younger. I don't think you would have still been a kid. But when the Super Bowl used to be the last Sunday in January. I think that it's pretty mm. cool that when since they've adjusted the schedule that the Super Bowl falls in February, which, of course, is, you know, we know that's the 28 days that they give us to celebrate Black History Month. But the fact that we have for the first time in NFL history, two Black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl in Black History Month is it's history. It's history. So regardless of what team wins, we <laughs> win. And that's huge.
1: And also, I think um, it's the first time since uh, we had um, Lovey Smith and Tony Dungy where mm-hmm. it was the two black head coaches, uh, you know, yeah. first time in the Super Bowl. So I think, you yeah. know, that's monumental. Yeah, um, now, you know, uh, I will say though, you know, um, Patrick Mahomes is, you know, biracial. So, you know, y'all gonna stop taking. Only our get half- you, yeah. only get a, you only get half. You a only pack get half. You only get half of Pat. So y'all can only say Pat. Y'all can't say Patrick. Y'all gotta say Pat. You know, because. Look, we, we matter too, all right? We matter
2: too.
1: So simple. Oh. But um, so yeah, so um outside of that, um I wanted to share with you, so um, you know, the I don't know if you heard, but um the Florida quarterback who had the NIL deal to sign the Florida. Who mm-hmm. ended up actually having it um rescinded and everything mm-hmm. and um I'm is he trying the to one you mentioned
0: last week or a couple of weeks ago you said that something like
1: about... had the crazy nil deal yeah
0: yeah, you yeah said he was getting about so, a week or so ago about...
1: so he was committing to um Florida as a quarterback but um they were gonna give him a 13 million dollar NIL deal over four years mm-hmm. um, and I'm trying to find the uh the picture they had the breakdown because the breakdown was crazy. Disrespect, hey,
0: Ronnie. Why you doing that? You said you didn't, you didn't watch NFL Honors on Thursday, but it was hilarious when Deion Sanders came up to present an award and he smooth made a plug for Colorado. <laughs>
1: hey, hey. If there's one thing he's, if there's one like, thing yeah, he right. Knew,
0: Look, he was like, y'all heard me right. <laughs> but
1: if there's one thing he he's like, knew, send them all to Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> it's definitely, um, plug, plug your school in. He's a master marketer. Mm-hmm. He is a master marketer. Man, where is it at? Um, so basically what happened was, so the quarterback was originally committed to Miami. Mm-hmm. And so he committed to Miami in the summertime fall comes around. He has a really good season. And so, um, Florida was like, hey, you know, we'll offer you a scholarship on top of this NIL deal. So the NIL deal was for $13 million.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the way it was is when he's, if he were assigned to uh, commit to Florida, he got $500,000 up front. Mm-hmm. $500,000 up front. As a freshman, his freshman year, I want to say it was $250,000 a month. Sophomore year was $325,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Junior year was like 375000 a month, and mm-hmm. if he were to come back for his senior year, it would be 195000 a month, which totaled out to like 13 point million.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Once he signed to uh, commit to Florida, the collective fell through. They didn't have the money, and so he withdrew from the school, and now he's committed to Arizona State, mm-hmm. but- Thirteen million dollars for a college quarterback to commit to a school is, I mean, that is crazy money. So I was listening to somebody talk about it and they raised the question. Do you think players will leave school early or cash out in college where you get four years to basically do, you know, be a, be a bigger kid? Mm-hmm. and you know college is for some people the best time of their life and you're not all kids but if you're that level of a prospect you could possibly net five, 10, 15 million as mm-hmm. a college kid <clears throat> before you go to the pros that's money mm-hmm. you have right then and there so mm-hmm. what do you think about that do you think do you think kids might you know second guess leaving or leaving school early to collect that money if that's money that's available for them
0: I do, um, to their detriment. Um, When you think about some of the leading prospects in this country are children of color, many of which who come from uh, low socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, And with that low socioeconomic status, oftentimes I would, I think it's fair to go as far to say more times than not there's a significant lack of financial literacy. And if they don't have someone in their corner that can appropriately advise them Mm -hmm. on how to manage wealth, not only do I think they'll leave early, but I also think that just like we hear with the NFL players, many are broke within five years, they'll be broke. They'll be broke and they won't have been positioned to go into the NFL draft Um, or whatever sport it is that they play. And I think that in a lot of ways, it's a recipe for disaster. You know, certainly we know that there are some benefits to the NIL agreement, um, but that has to come with financial literacy. If, If no one is taking the time to educate and empower these children, let's keep that real. Biologically, they're adults, but emotionally in so many instances, they're children, you know, too much power can kill you. It, it's, oh, yeah. in my mind, situations like that would be the equivalent of giving a five-year-old keys to a Corvette, you, you know what I mean? Um, right. You, it is, it is a recipe for disaster if the appropriate measures are not put in place <laughs> to support not only the athlete, but the athlete's family in going in so many instances from poverty to that magnitude of wealth. And if we're honest, let's keep it real. You know, some of the the company, if you will, that comes along with that, you know, you have that one kid, he's the kid that makes it right? right. But too often times we hear the horror stories, Ronnie, of, you know, when they, when they do the interviews or whatever, and it's, it, it, I'll give you a prime example. Um, that show that I that I uh, texted you about last weekend, Life After, on Netflix, mm-hmm. about the twelve NFL athletes. Um, one of the athletes, and I don't, it doesn't even matter which one it was, but one of the athletes, um, one of the individuals that they interviewed, talking about the athlete's journey, when they first showed the the gentleman speaking on camera, he had a drink in his hand. And the more the interview went on, it was apparent to me that he was very heavily intoxicated. He wasn't the most well spoken individual. And one of the things that was stated is, you know, he made it. It's like he made it for the whole community. And so many of these athletes, Ronnie, come from, and their words, they come from nothing. So when you come from nothing at 18, 19, 20 years old, and you come into that type of money, what does that look like, Ronnie? What does that look like? Yeah, you, I am convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that some of these athletes are going to be pressured by their families. And I'm sorry for giving the long-winded answer, but this, you know this is stuff that- Oh, really yeah, no. My feathers. I believe that some of these athletes are going to be pressured by family members. I believe some folk, you know, the, the oldest trick in the book still happens. Uh, folk going to come up pregnant and all types of stuff is going to happen that's going to alter the life of this athlete in more ways than just financial. And I just think that it's I think it's a train wreck waiting to happen in so many cases. And I think we're going to hear about it.
1: I agree. I I think, you know, there should be, and and I would hope these schools are putting some type of, you know, financial literacy resources in place for these kids because, you know, kids are kids are impressionable. Kids are very Mm -hmm. impulsive, you know. And you give somebody that amount of money and stuff like that. Yeah. They're, you know, Mm -hmm. if they're not, you know, doesn't, they don't have the uh, financial literacy necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They'll probably make some, you know, not so good decisions.
2: Right. Um,
1: The one thing I will say is though, I hope there are, I hope the regulations that do come in place don't handicap the players because I, I do believe that, you know, um these players deserve this money you know like there should be a way that all these athletes should you know earn some type of income um but i'm not gonna knock these players for making the income because we know how much money these schools make off the kids back anyways Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um whether or not the kid makes it to the pros whether or not the kid continues to play football after he's you Mm -hmm. know exhausted his eligibility at the school whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be we know the school gonna get their money one way or another yeah and so we know these coaches gonna get and right and we know these coaches are gonna get their money one way or another so i'm not mad at the kids getting the money um and i think you know coupling the nil with the transfer portal and how crazy that's been because mm-hmm. you know now kids you know some kids are just transferring schools because well i can make this money this year at this school mm-hmm. and then i can make this money next year at that school if i'm good enough you know x y mm-hmm. and z so i think it is really and i think I think we're going to start seeing a a shift over the next several years, you know, with USC Mm -hmm. and UCLA leaving the Pac-12, going to the Big Ten, Mm -hmm. Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 this year, going to the Mm -hmm. SEC. They're Mm -hmm. expanding the playoffs next year to 12 teams and everything. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot of changes and a lot of things moving Mm -hmm. on. So a lot of these schools are going to have the opportunity to literally, you know, reach into their alumni resources and their booster resources and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. we'll cut you this check for X amount of years if you come do this. And Mm -hmm. We'll see how it goes. But man, 13 million for a college kid. like.
0: I want to I want to plug that now based on what we were talking about before the show, because it's connected to the NIL. Right. Mm-hmm. So my husband um, shared with Ronnie and I earlier in the week, this powerful, powerful story about a high school student named Malachi Coleman. Um, I want to say Wisconsin. Was, was I think cons- so, yeah. I think he was in Wisconsin or Nebraska, one of those states up there. Um, and this young man was in the foster care system, African-American young man um, in the foster care system, just an extraordinary, extraordinary athlete. And he already has um, a lucrative NIL deal on the table. And just a little bit of backdrop about his story. Um, father not involved in he and his siblings life mother a you know a very very serious drug addict and when he was little mind you he's only a senior in high school now when he was little um, his mom took Mm -hmm. he and his siblings to a stranger's house a complete stranger's house and just left them and the next day he and his siblings were in the foster care system ronnie he is you recall in the article that we listened to, um, the the news report, this young man is donating 100% of his NIL money to the foster care system in that state because of the hardship and everything that, that he went through being in the foster care system. Now, since that time, they've been adopted by a Caucasian family there. So life has changed for him, you know, by leaps and bounds and and he's doing so much better now. But what do we know to be true? You know, the foster care system is, is trauma. Um, right. it, it, it fractures attachment. It comes with it a wealth of psychological issues that children have to deal with well into adulthood if it's not properly treated. But certainly it's something that you never forget. But for this young man. To have such a philanthropist heart at 17, 18 years of age is extraordinary to me. It's extraordinary, but it also speaks to the the influence that he has in his life now and how he's being nurtured and guided and directed to not be defined by the adverse circumstances that he was exposed Mm -hmm. to. Growing up in the foster care system prior to being adopted by this family that didn't care that he was a black kid, that's like, we love children, we want children, we want them, and, and adopted them and, and have given them a much greater opportunity and a better quality of life. So, hats off to, to Malachi Coleman. Um, also, just want to take a minute to, to all the haters out there. Ronnie, my quarterback was named the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Dak Prescott is the Walter Payton man of the year. So congratulations to Dakota for that. And then, you know, I'm a big old crybaby. I'm a big old crybaby. So when they announced that he won, I cried. And I had told Eric, I was like, I hope he gets it this year because he was nominated last year too and didn't get it. Um, so I cried. But when I really boo cried, I mean boo I cried and cried and cried and cried and cried was when DeMar Hamlin walked out on the stage run. He walked out on that stage, and I, I literally screamed out loud. <laughs> I was, ah, he's there. I was. <laughs> it just blessed my heart. It blessed my heart. It blessed my heart. It blessed my heart um, to see, and it, and his his speech was so powerful because what he talked about was how he had one plan as it related to his athletic career and the things that he wanted to get accomplished as far as his contributions to the community at large but clearly God had another plan to want to raise $2,500 to get some toys to raise over 9 million Mm. that's that's what we call a floodgate blessing Ronnie that's the exceedingly abundantly above Mm. all you can ask or think blessing according to the power that works in you it's god is just showing up and showing out in such extraordinary ways in this young man's life and hats off to the nfl for having the foresight to bring his entire medical team from buffalo and cincinnati out on the stage and to publicly honor them for everything that they did to save his life and i love the highlight film that they showed for emergency personnel around the league and mm-hmm. and the contribution that they it was just amazing it was absolutely Word, that's
1: I ain't gonna lie you know these charities uh you know um I tell these players y'all, y'all need to be careful with these charities because Russell mm-hmm. Wilson have made it hot for y'all um, I, don't,
2: <laughs> I don't know
1: if you I don't know if you saw that article that came out a couple of days ago where um they uh did the numbers and apparently for every dollar that Russell Wilson's charity has accumulated only 24 cent has actually gone towards charitable efforts. the other, The other money has gone to paying employ well paying people a part of you know the charity uh, organiz- organizers and stuff like that. Um, which, you know, I mean, Russell Wilson is regarded as a very you know charitable and honorable person and whatnot. so um, yeah, I always tell people, you know, like, hey. When you when you get a lot of money donated to, we we've seen it time and time again. When you get a lot of money donated to you for a specific cause, um, you know money is traceable. So yeah. just be careful. You yeah. know um, that was
0: one of the things they said, Ronnie, is that that his efforts now go far beyond toys because he's now positioned to have such um, a significantly yeah. greater impact. Yeah. The communities that he you wake
1: up you wake up to nine million dollars you you got a lot
0: of options now <laughs> yeah yeah that's a, that's a whole lot more than toys that's that's a lot that's and a whole a lot, lot more, more than his contract too yeah to you, Habitat for Humanity housing you know but I mean it's just it's just extraordinary it's extraordinary right. and he's so humble he's so incredibly humble it was just it was a it was beautiful to see um, so yeah. We're going to get into this topic so I can share these steps real quick and then we can chop it up.
1: Absolutely. And I, I want to start our topic off by sharing a quote.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's one of my favorite football. I mean, whether it's mm-hmm. football, basketball, sports, life, whatever. This is one of my mm-hmm. favorite sports quotes, but also doubles as a life quote.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And I quote, winning is not a sometime thing. It's an all the time thing.
2: Mm -hmm. You don't
1: win once in a while. You don't do the right thing once in a while. You do them right all the time. Mm -hmm. Winning is a habit. Unfortunately, so is losing. Mm -hmm. Vince Lombardi shared those words many, many years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And my dad used to make me read this quote when I was little. um, Mm -hmm. and A couple other Vince Lombardi quotes. Um, And I actually have a, a picture of this quote in my office at work. Mm-hmm. um hanging out nice. and because i think you know when we when we talk about coaches and everything you know the the important role mm-hmm. of a coach and stuff like that you know you can have a, a a roster full of talented players i mean just absolute you know just game changers and you can win a couple games you can you can win some you can, games you can win 12 games pure, you can win 12 games off pure talent you Three know years in a row. But when it comes to coaching, if you don't have the coaches who put you in the right positions at the right time, understanding the scenario, understanding the environment around you and things like that, understanding Mm -hmm. the the, the second-by-second play-by-play changes, all you have is a a roster full of talented people with no direction. That's right. And, you know, we've seen so many times over the years in all the sports, you know, all these great coaches, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, Nick Saban. Vince Lombardi, Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. um, Eddie Robinson from uh, Grambling State, mm-hmm. um, Co- Coach Prime now at uh, from mm-hmm. Jackson State, and now in Colorado,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, Coach Harbaugh in Michigan—all um, these great coaches. And yeah. one of the things they all have in common is this consistent and persistent urge for excellence. Yeah, yeah. Vince Lombardi has another quote. He says, "Perfection is not." Realistic, mm-hmm. but if we shoot for perfection, we can catch excellence. Mm. Good
0: stuff, that's good sense. And,
1: so, and you know, so, um, I think, I think having and, and another thing too, I also want to talk about coaches real quick as well is you know, not only how important it is to have a, a strong leader as a coach, but mm-hmm. also surrounding yourself with other people who have the same like minded attitude as you. You're supporting chaos would no matter whether you're the player because we look at we look at all the time with quarterbacks you can be a great quarterback but if you have a terrible supporting cast you're just an average quarterback same thing with coaches you can be a great coach individually but if you can't assemble a a supporting cast that can help carry your mission and carry your objectives and carry your ideologies throughout the entire program and organization your program and organization will struggle
0: you gotta have this this perfect fit like you you the puzzle pieces have to actually fit together you can't jam them together and if you don't have I believe it's a formula and we're going to talk about that in a minute right if if you don't have that formula it's like when i think about my husband and all of the other eagles fans that i know and, and interact with and i i hear i have heard their frustration over the years and one of the things i asked my husband <clears throat> the other day i said How come, for as extraordinary a coach as Andy Reid is, how come he didn't get a Super Bowl when he was with Philly? I was like, we know when they played the Patriots in Jacksonville and Donnie Choke. Because I'm like, I really thought they were going to do it that year. Wanted them to win a Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb just because I like Donnie, even though I'm not an Eagles fan. But he said it, you know, we all the pieces wasn't there. You didn't Mm -hmm. have all the pieces like Sirianni has now. And that makes a difference. You got a great coach and your team sucks you got a great team and your coach sucks like you did it, it has to be a perfect storm that right. fits in order for it, the championship to be in your sights legitimately
1: absolutely and i think you know far too often we see where you know i think a lot of times and we see that we see this more at the nfl level um but this happens at a lot of other uh you know other divisions and levels too mm-hmm. you know when we think about you know becoming a head coach and you know I always tell people like a head coach is more like a CEO than an actually like you know supervisor, and there's a and there's a distinct difference. You know, mm-hmm. when you're the head coach, you are in charge of not only the entire football team, but the entire coaching staff, the entire mm-hmm. training staff, everything that is associated with your program. You, the buck stops at you.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, That's obviously, why you see know, coaches getting fired in the middle of the season for the NFL, <laughs>
1: right? And you know, now, granted, you know especially at the nfl level you know you have a general manager you know Mm -hmm. all those other all those other administrative positions but as far as like the day-to-day operations of a football team the head coach normally is the person who makes all the final decisions Mm -hmm. and we've seen so many times where a a coach who is maybe a great defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator where you only have to control one side of the ball you only Mm -hmm. have to manage a certain amount of people It's no different than people who work in like the retail industry, you know, Mm -hmm. in the retail industry, you might have, you know, you got your regular, uh, you know, store associates, then Mm -hmm. you got your your team leaders, then you got Mm -hmm. your department heads, then you got your assistant managers, managers, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth, right? But if you take a team lead and make them the store manager, that's a that's a hell of a transition to where, you know, you're only running a specific department, you running electronics, you know, you running, mm-hmm. you know, the day shift. Now you're running the entire store. You're in charge of payroll, you're in charge of PTO, you're in charge of, you know, hiring, firing, all those type of things that encompass being the CEO and the leader of a team and organization. Same thing with head coaches. And a lot of times when they get thrusted into that role, what we see is like, yeah, they can manage one side of the ball. We have to manage everything, and especially, you know, when you get to college and NFL, you're dealing with people who, you know, for example, let's say you are a college head coach. Well, now you're, you know, you're coaching 18, 19 year old boys who every now and then 18, 19 year old boys don't make the best decisions in the world. <laughs> they do 18, so,
0: 19 year old boy stuff.
1: <laughs> so now your phone's ringing at 2, 3 in the morning because, you mm-hmm. know, the campus police is like, hey, um, we need Tommy you. Tommy is
0: uh, drunk on the call
1: we need you to come down here and get one of your boys real quick you know mm-hmm. and that's those are the things that you know come with the territory but you know what are i let's start with you what are what are some great qualities you think that a, a head coach must possess in order to be effective
0: well um can i answer that in sure 90 seconds because what i want to your point that's how i swear he reads my mind y'all we are so so, you were talking about coaches. So, I wanted to point out some of the winningest coaches of all times so on the with College. So, football, John Gagliardi coached at Carroll and St. John's, Joe Paterno, pedophile, um, Penn State, Eddie Robinson, Ramblin', Bobby Bowden, Sanford, West Virginia, Florida, and Florida State, Kevin Donnelly. Um, Anderson, Georgetown, California and St. Francis, Ken Sparks, Larry Kernis Bear Bryant, Um, Pop Warner, and Boy Kidd or, or they're the top um football coaches for college. Then you have basketball for college, Mike, is it Kurzuski? Kurz M. Um, Jim Boney. Okay. Jim Calhoun, Bob Huggins, Roy Williams, Bob Knight, Dean Smith, Adolph Rupp, Jim Fallon, and Cliff Ellis for men's basketball at the collegiate level. And then women Tara Van Derver, whoever that is, um, Barbara Stevens, Vivian Stringer, Sylvia Hatchell, um, Jody Conrad. No, Pat Summit? Oh, yes, Pat Summit. Pet summit. Is on here. Not, I know I'm Pat sorry. Be a, on Pet summit for for Tennessee is on here. Um, and then for the NFL, it's where it gets really funky. Um, Don Shula still holds the record. Um, George Hallis, Bill Belichick, Tom Landry, Andy Reed, Curly Lambeau, Marty Schottenheimer, Chuck Knoll, Dan Reeves, Chuck Knox, Jim Fisher, Bill Parcells. Um, Tom Coughlin, Mike Shanahan, Paul Brown, Mike Tomlin, Mike Holgram, Pete Carroll, Bud Rant, Mike McCarthy, Joe Gibbs, Steve Owen, and then Sean Payton, Bill Cower, John Harbaugh, and so on and so forth. And uh, Mark Levy, Tony Dungy. Um, can we shout out Mike
1: Tomlin real quick? Um, we you can know, in, in honor in honor of Black History Month. Yes. Um, Mike Tomlin is the only NFL head coach in NFL history to coach 15-plus seasons and never have a losing record. Yeah, he's a beast. He's had 16 straight winning seasons. So Mm -hmm. shout-out to Mike Tomlin for that because for people who have played any sport, whether it's football or any other Mm -hmm. sport, you know how hard it is to win a game. And for him to never have a losing season, you know, Black coaches in the NFL already, you know, got to be damn near perfect just to even get the job. And for him to maintain that level of excellence for 16 seasons in a city like Pittsburgh, where you know, up until recently they had the most championships in the NFL history. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the expectations and you know, just the it's Super Bowl a bust every year, mm-hmm. and for him to, you know, deliver year after year. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Mike Tomlin for that. And you know, Virginia, uh Virginia alum, well, mm-hmm. well William and Mary alum, but you know, he's from the seven five seven and everything. So um, yeah, shout out to Mike Tomlin. Yeah.
0: So I think. The answer to your question is, I, what I think they have in common and, and what research has shown me is, first and foremost, Barney, you got to believe in your team. And that's, you know, that has been one of my biggest arguments, right? And, and, and mm. it's stuff that I've called people out about. and and I And, and I'm going to separate it from the hate that people have from the Dallas Cowboys to just athletic logistics and psychology right mm. at the end of the day as a coach if you don't believe in your players even mm-hmm. the worst players on your team they mm-hmm. are not going to play for you mm-hmm. coach said that when he came when he was on from virginia state and when last season when uh, season before last when we had the coach on from morgan state and, and some of the other even the players that we've had on that have talked to us about what Encourage them to play harder is they knew that their coach believed in them when i think and it always comes to mind when i think about the detroit lions who you know from a um a professional aspect like we know they've had some really 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 rough seasons but they right. went out there every single solitary game and they played their hearts out why because they had a coach in the locker room that believed in them and believed in their ability to win even when they weren't. I think that that is one of the hallmarks of Prime. He has the ability. When you look at the documentaries that they've done on him, his speech is in the locker room, man. He he goes in. When he, they won, a,
1: he has a way with words.
0: Remember when they played the bowl game down in Miami, but they, they were playing FAMU down in mm-hmm. Miami? And they, they were getting trashed initially. (laughs) He kicked, and he don't cuss. He kicked their back in, and I'm like, "Oh, I thought you wanted to be great. Y'all don't want to be great. You just want to be mediocre." And he, like, he just, he got in here. Mm -hmm. He got in here because he believed in them. But somewhere there was this disconnect where they stopped believing in themselves, and you can see that. You can see in these games when the coach gets defeated. When the coach gets defeated, the team gets defeated. Because if you stop believing in your players, why should they believe in themselves? You're the leader. You're the HNIC. You're the mm-hmm. you're the you know you're the captain of the ship. If you don't believe that they can do it, why would they? I I think the other part of that is, and I think I mean we I just feel like we see it more in the forefront where the NFL is concerned than we see it in the collegiate realm Mm -hmm. um talking about Nick Saban or Bobby you know or or some of those
1: Saint Nick
0: that it's about results I remember you said a couple seasons ago (laughs) how literally after the national championship Saban does not give his players a break they get a couple (laughs) of
1: days I I will never forget that like I think they were playing I think it was the Notre Dame championship back in 2011 or 12 I can't remember mm-hmm. but literally the first thing they asked him was like all right coach you know another national championship mm-hmm. you know how long are you going to celebrate what's next oh i'm gonna celebrate for about 24 hours and That's then goes, we start we start winter workouts in 2 days i was like no break went None. went, went to, and for those who don't for those who might not understand well, what's what, what's winter workouts winter workouts are mm-hmm. like the winter workouts you if you if you know you know winter workouts are not fun mm-hmm. it, it gets real and mm-hmm. to just have won a national championship from the previous mm-hmm. season and you are starting winter workouts two days later like mm-hmm. yeah y'all just won a national championship bump all that brand new season that's mm-hmm. why i said this off season i feel bad for them alabama players i can mm-hmm. only imagine how yeah. winter workouts are going right now just <laughs> oh said knuckles is bleeding God. I promise you, I bet they have the I bet they have the halftime show from this past year's national championship on repeat in a locker room. Yeah. Oh my God. They will never let Coach Saban be embarrassed like that again on national uh-uh. TV. But you know, but it just shows you that level of excellence. Like you have to. I had a coach in high school, and when he first said it, I never understood it until you know I got a little bit older and I got to college. He used Mm -hmm. to always say, I hate losing more than I love winning. Yeah. Go
2: ahead. ahead,
0: Finish your thought. No, no, no. Finish your thought. And then I'll circle back in in time. There was one more thing that that I wanted to say, but I think it ties into what you're saying. Go ahead. And, you know, so
1: when I I first heard that, I was like, what do you mean you hate losing more than you love winning? You know, but... Mm -hmm. I always tell people now that i'm older you know you can you can learn a couple things in a win you know when you mm-hmm. win and stuff like that it, mm-hmm. it kind of reaffirms that you know the game plan the practice schedule you know everything mm-hmm. that we did for preparation it paid off this week whether mm-hmm. it's a one point win or a 20 point win a win is mm-hmm. a win it's hard mm-hmm. to win a game but when you lose mm-hmm. i always tell people you know when you lose you can take it as a loss or you can look at it as a lesson and i think what makes a coach really great is by being able to pull the lesson out of a loss mm-hmm. and help the players understand that, look, like we made a couple mistakes here and there. We did a few things, a few decisions, mm-hmm. a few moments of, of not mm-hmm. concentrating or not focusing that cost us the game. Mm-hmm. So these are the things that we need, really need to emphasize and make priority during the following week. So that way, if we find ourselves in that very same position again, we've been here before. We know if we do it this way, that's not mm-hmm. going to work. It's going to cost mm-hmm. us the game. We must do it differently. And I think it takes a coach to understand that you can beat kids up after they lose a game. You can do mm-hmm. that or you can take that opportunity to be like, look, we lost. Yeah. Above well, all, us, I can't let you curse at you, all that, but we lost. So either mm-hmm. we can take these lessons from this loss yeah. and learn from it or I'm just going to continue to put y'all down and say, well, y'all need to figure it out for next week.
0: Right. Ronnie, that I'm so glad that you brought that point up because on, you know, I'm addicted to ESPN. I watch ESPN all day, every day. But during one of the interviews on, I don't remember if it was Thursday or yesterday, but they were, and I do not remember his name. They were interviewing one of the players from the Vikings and he's verbatim. He said almost what you said verbatim. And they were talking about um, Stephen A. Smith had asked him about some of those games, the the couple of games that they came back from like way, way, way behind and won. And he said, some of those close call games that we won, he said, we would have learned a greater lesson had we lost them. He said, because there were like, he talked about how you can start to take stuff for granted and go into the next week cocky and overconfident and it comes Mm -hmm. back to bite you in the behind. And he said, I mean, verbatim, he said the games that we lost, there were lessons in that, that we need to know. Like, are we a good football team? Yes, but we needed to be a great football team to do the things that we had aspired to do at the beginning of the season. And we just didn't do them. And we didn't do them because we didn't learn the lessons from the losses and from the games technically that we should have lost but won at the last minute because of you know whatever it was that went on and what that speaks to and what you were saying that that reminds me of how important it is to have some heart right Mm -hmm. if there was you know people joking clown in the whole nine yards clearly I don't like the 49ers but Shanahan the 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 heart that this dude has, he did not, and he, he's got swag anyway. I was with the swaggers around all of black people, but he got swag for days. But he, it's like he never slumps. He never, and like he, if there was ever a coach that had a reason to feel defeated and beat up and kicked around, but he didn't. He didn't. He represents to me. He is one of the best examples of what it looks like, feels like, and means for a coach to have heart when all, like it just, it was a train wreck. It just never stopped coming. And because he's stone-faced all the time anyway, it's like you, you couldn't read him. And even during the press conference, when they asked him and he was like, well, obviously it didn't feel good, but he wasn't going to show that. We're going to go out there. We're going to call these places. We're going to do what we need to do. We're going to try and get this win. It missed all of this adversity. And that's what it looks like. You know how much respect them players have for him and how he literally would be able to get them to do anything under the sun that he wants them to do for as long as he continues coaching because he he's full of fight. He There right. is just absolutely positively no give up in him, win, lose, or draw. Those players know he got us. Mm-hmm. He got us. His he's got a heart the the size of freaking Earth that is like we gonna. It also gonna helps it. that he had a
1: father who was successful at it too.
0: Yeah, so he yeah. Was able to see it's in his DNA.
1: Right, he was able to see firsthand like what it means to lead a group of men, you yeah. know. And I don't know if Kyle played football. I don't know if he did or didn't. Mm-hmm. I think he did, but yeah, I think he did too. You know, I think. I think what helps a lot of people and, you know, I, I'm not saying that you have to play football or you have to play basketball or anything mm-hmm. like that to be able to coach the game. But one thing that it, one thing that it does do for the players mm-hmm. is does let them know that, okay, he's speaking from some type of experience, yeah. you know, yeah. whether or not he's been in the NFL game and,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: game winning drive and stuff like that. He understands the magnitude of being in a situation where you got to go down the field and score. There's no ifs, yeah. ands, or and buts about it. So, right. you know, that's important and that's invaluable because when, when your players know that what you're selling and what you're proposing to them mm-hmm. is authentic and real, they buy into it.
0: Can I ask you a question, Ronnie? You, you said What's something up? and I want to talk about, I want I want you to, to speak more to the buy-in piece. You talked about when you lose a game and coaches come in the locker room and they scream, yell, and curse you out, but there's no discussion around the lessons clinically my and i know this is probably going to sound like a mom statement i don't care um i think that players need to feel a degree of safety and trust with their coaches if i can't and we've talked about this where mental health issues are concerned right as players you need to have a a level of trust that you can speak openly and honestly with your coach and not be beat up and kicked around, and because during the, y'all spend more time with the players and the coaches than you do with your own families. Mm. So if if you don't have an emotionally safe space to be vulnerable and transparent with your coach, how how does that affect your play? Are you going to give your all <laughs> for a coach? Did did you feel like just assassinate you all the time?
2: So
1: I think my answer is probably gonna be a lot different than you know the the newer generation because mm-hmm. I, I played in an era where you know you got a coach down. would call you a coach would call you everything but a blessed child of God and mm-hmm. if you wanted to say something back you could you mm-hmm. wouldn't be a part of the team no more but you can definitely say yeah. something back if you wanted to but I will say this though in my experiences um I will say that the coaches I had um we never got we never got chewed out or cursed out during a loss. Mm
0: -hmm. It was always when
1: we won. And it was when we won carelessly, like we had careless wins. Mm -hmm. Like I give you a great example Two, well, two examples. Well, I'll give you a good example. So my junior year at state, we get Brandon coach Scott and everything. We play Kentucky state third game of the season Mm -hmm. and we blow them out, beat them 42, nothing. And I, and I think I shared this story before I hear before beat them 42, nothing. I mean, just, won't game won't even close at all Mm -hmm. the very next day on sundays now sundays we always had a a lifting and then some type of light conditioning Mm
2: -hmm.
1: on that sunday the day after the game we ran i think like 23 200 meter sprints that were timed wow each one of them were timed and we ran one for every penalty we got during the game now mind you our, our coach our coach got two of those penalties too and his ass ain't run. But, you know,
2: <laughs> he
1: got two of the penalties. But the the point of that was, and he said it, like, had you all done this, had this many penalties in a game against a team that was actually worth something, mm. you all would have got the doors blown off of you. And they were ticky-tacky, like, holding, false start, mm. offside. Mm. Like, just, just tiki tacky penalties. That when you're being careless, when you, you know, when you're not all the way locked in, they're just careless penalties, their lack of effort, their lack of focus, their lack of, you know, consistency Mm -hmm. penalties and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so his point was like, I'm not going to allow anything in a win that I wouldn't accept in a loss. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, every time, every time we won it, when I was in college, my last two years, every time we won a game, I would be more afraid of the film sessions when we won than when we lost. Wow. because when we won oh they were gonna oh they was gonna pick us apart because once again the mindset was we won this game but we could have lost it too
0: based on x y and z
1: so what it taught us was it's like a never take a win for for granted because they're mm-hmm. not easy and mm-hmm. b never get complacent
0: that reminds me of the movie coach carter which folks know is based on a true story where they were—they had beat the brakes off of one of the, the high school basketball teams they were playing, and the next day in practice, everybody was bragging about all the points and stuff they had, this, that, and the other. And coach—the coach was played by Samuel Jackson. He said, "Now, you had X number of free throws that you missed. You missed X number of rebounds. He broke down, and then he made them run. <laughs> so yeah he made them
1: run. And I think, I think that's important because, and like you said, I mean, coaches who beat their teams up after a loss, I mean. It's pointless. Like we lost. Yeah. Obviously, something. Want to play? Yeah, well. Obviously, something didn't work. So yeah. it does me no good to continue to double down and beat you down and make you feel worse. Because once again, that's a quick way to lose trust in your team. Yeah, you yeah. know, like I think a lot of players understand. Like you know, coaches have to be, you know, a holes to a certain extent. You know, mm-hmm. like it's a business. Like drill
2: like, Yeah, yes,
1: Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I think players respect that when you, when you are consistent in how you approach the team, players mm-hmm. can respect that. Like we knew yeah. coach Scott was going to be, if, if all else fails, he was going to be an a-hole, but he was an a-hole who cared. Mm-hmm. Like he would jump through a window for us, but you had to get, you had to match his effort. You had to match his energy. Mm-hmm. And, and we bought into that and we accepted it. Our mm-hmm. previous coach, depending on who was around and depending on what was going on he'd be a certain way and then he'd do something else he'd say something and then do something else and as a team we were just like yeah bro we really don't you know are you feeling you like that yeah and we we didn't we didn't believe in his system and as a result of that we were four and six and you know we were terrible but what
0: that talks about to me what you're saying is the, and that's the the other part right that I think that makes for a successful coach is the relationships have to be there they, right. if you don't have healthy relationships with your players why would they play for you if exactly. you're if your players don't have healthy relationships with each other you know we've seen that and everything that's going on in the NBA with the trades and Kyrie coming in to dallas and kevin durant going to phoenix and, and the and and old boy that it is not earning his keep uh alicia keys and russell simmons son what's his name you know i'm talking about he was with the sixers now he's with the nets what's that boy's oh, name oh ben simmons
1: Ben, yeah, simmons. ben simmons. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you
0: know he is just not uh yeah i, I can't not I, I don't get
1: done going on with him you know hey look i i mean you know i everybody's mental health is different you know um right so i hope and i believe that good...
0: we, we say it lightly but i hope that's the mental health stuff going on for yeah. real for real on yeah.
1: all the, the nba got man the nba season is about to be about to be interesting how it finishes yeah yeah but um it's crazy. so any any final words thoughts or anything before we get ready to wrap up no nah
0: wrap us up i think we you know well we, we just so let's on.
1: do our super bowl picture real quick before we wrap up because i gotta go i gotta go get pretty before my birthday on everything you know
0: happy birthday to you happy birthday to you happy birthday to, happy birthday to
1: you i'll be done to you on Monday i appreciate you but um so i'll let you go first who do you have winning super bowl 57 and I, i'm who assuming my husband's me, at work who I want he's not to. behind i'm assuming your husband's at work not around you no gun pointed at you with a sign saying you know who to say don't play with no mama.
0: so you so i did it like this on purpose so you see my lipstick is red
1: okay okay More
0: red lipstick i, I see the nails. i
1: see the nails are given red too
0: no they're burnt orange actually but it's okay, okay. That's um, my favorite color so it is pretty um so uh just because I'm diehard Dallas Cowboys, I can't root for the Eagles. <laughs> so, I will, but no, on a serious tip. So, I re- I love Andy Reid. I love, 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 love Andy Reid. Hence why when he was in Philly, if the Eagles weren't playing the Cowboys, I would root for the Eagles just because I like Andy Rudy. Um But I will never be an Eagles fan. Um, I want the Kansas City Chiefs to win, but I don't think they're going to. I think okay. the Eagles are going to win. I think the Eagles are going to win, and I think Philadelphia is going to be insane and all surrounding areas. And I'm so glad that we don't live there anymore because it's going to be 2023. If they win this Super Bowl, it's going to be insane. Okay. 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 I don't have a score because I just, I, I need, I don't know. I just, I think that it's going to be a really, really, really good game. But I, and both teams have their, their, their strengths. Um I feel like Philly has less weaknesses than Kansas City does and I think they're going to capitalize and they, I just think they're going to bring it. I think they come in with a vengeance and I I believe they're going to win.
1: Okay. So interesting pick. So um I'm going with Kansas City. Okay. Um my score. I'm gonna say the score is gonna be 35-31, Kansas City.
0: Okay.
1: Here's why I say that. Now, everybody, all I've heard for the last two weeks since you know both teams won the game is, oh, the Eagles gonna run the score up on them. They gonna run. That's run, not gonna run. happen. They gonna
2: keep the ball <laughs> them and everything. Like
1: so I wanna highlight a couple things here, right? There's mm-hmm. two things to keep in mind here. Number one they both have a mutual opponent that they played this year, Mm
2: -hmm. the San
1: Francisco 49ers, Mm -hmm. right? Now we saw what happened when the Eagles played them. We know the situation where, you know, the quarterback went down X, Y, and Z. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now Kansas City played this very same San Francisco team back in October. And actually before the Eagles game, that was the last time 49ers had lost a game was to the Chiefs. Mm
2: -hmm. Now
1: here are some interesting things. So number one, Patrick Mahomes threw for over 400 yards and three touchdowns against the 49ers. Now, the 49ers defense on that day had no injuries, had no significant starters missing time. So that was that full-blown, very good defense. He wasn't that- hurt, though. Huh? He wa- Patrick wasn't hurt. He wasn't, right. He wasn't hurt. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, diced up the 49ers defense, right? Passing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Now, when you all played the Eagles back on um, the first time, which was also, oh, yeah, um, New Year, Christmas Eve, when you no, all won the, 40, second time. When, the second time. Yeah. When you all won 40 to 34. Here are some interesting things from that game. Dak Prescott threw for 347 and three touchdowns. Combined, the Cowboys had over 100 yards rushing. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I don't think that the Eagles defense is going to stop the chiefs offense so easily. Mm -hmm. Now, granted the Eagles defense is really good. Don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but they are susceptible to being beat. Right. Mm -hmm. We've seen that. We've seen the Cowboys, We've seen Dak Prescott go up and down the field on the cow. I mean, on the Eagles, Mm -hmm. right. It was one of his better games during the season go up and down the field on them. Also too, if Kansas city can have any semblance of a run game, Mm-hmm. Any semblance of a run game, they have a legit chance. I think whoever, I think it's going to come down to whoever controls the ball more, whoever wins the, the time, time of possession, possession, you mean? And whoever has the least amount of turnovers has mm-hmm. the best chance of winning this game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, and with the know, Super
0: Bowl, Ronnie, you obviously, you so hypothetically, and I don't know, has a Super Bowl ever gone into overtime?
1: Yeah, uh, just one, the one um, with New England and Atlanta.
0: So they so you gotta play till you have a winner. So it's gonna be interesting.
1: Yeah. I got Kansas City winning. Um I, I you know whatever team wins, I think is gonna, you know, if Jalen Hurts. And gonna pull and- out
0: the high school playbook, but Sirianni just came out of high school, so he's gonna be familiar with the <laughs> It's right. I think
1: I think I think it's going to be a great offensive matchup like people, you know, granted, I don't I don't have that much faith in Kansas City's defense, but they're not a slouch. Like their front seven is to be reckoned with. It's their back end that, you know, now granted, both of their HBCU players are the DBs. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that is something to be mindful of. So they will be Mm -hmm. targeted. They are rookies and they got a hell of a task. They got Devontae Smith on one side and they got Mm -hmm. A.J. Brown on the other. So, Mm -hmm. You know, it, it is, but they just played Jamar Chase and T Higgins, so it's not like this mm-hmm. is anything mm-hmm. you know new to them. So it's going to be really good. I'm excited, yeah. I'm excited for it, the it, game. it is,
0: I'm, 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 you know, more excited 30 years ago when my team was playing, but I'm, um, I'm. Um, over the years, it's like okay, it's Super Bowl and I and I like to watch the Super Bowl, but I'm actually excited for this game. And I was excited in 2017 because I and that I'm telling you the only reason why I root for the Eagles in 2017 is because they was playing the Patriots because I hate the Patriots. I hate the Patriots, so it's like I need them. To I beat feel them. you. I need them to beat them, and that was just so, a good yeah. because I was like,
1: To, to tell, Eric. Um, not, I'm not no slights, but I do think it's going to be a close game. But I do think Kansas City is going to come away 35-31. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a a, a a fireworks of a game. Yeah, it is. But yeah.
0: And I Riri is doing the halftime show. So halftime is going to be lit
1: too. I'm, in, I'm interested to see what she's going to do for her. It's been seven years since she put out an album. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested like, to see. Um,
0: some of the songs she might not be able to sing. Some of my favorites.
1: <laughs> so, but yeah, that's all, that's all I have. That's all we have um everybody enjoy Super Bowl weekend be around friends family enjoy a couple you know brews and everything be safe if you out there in in public at the bars and whatnot um it's going to be a great time it's going to be a great game great halftime show I'm super excited for it so yeah so um with that being said you all oh make sure you all uh like and subscribe on youtube all right you can catch all our episodes on youtube mm-hmm. make sure you please like and subscribe because when you subscribe that helps us out a lot all right
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and let people know tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to like and subscribe mm-hmm. to our channel on youtube it's house talk pregame under dr lauren pitts you can find that on mm-hmm. youtube also we're on apple Podcasts as well so make sure mm-hmm. you uh, find us on apple podcast uh, QR talk code program. is
0: out there putting the QR code out there. So you just click and listen,
1: click and listen, right. click and listen. So, so make sure you uh, subscribe to that as well. And yeah, you know, support the support the channel, support the podcast. Like we said, we're a grassroots podcast, you know, trying to have a voice for our athletes out there. So once again, thank you for joining in with us again. We'll check y'all out next week again. So that being said, have a great weekend and I'll holler at you.
2: Go Chiefs!
1: <laughs> Bye-bye, y'all.